I pretty much just go straight into the podcast. That's cool. I have, uh, I saw you used to do it over on the, on the couch. Yeah, I used to yeah. do it over there, and then I decided I like I like this. I was trying to get this TV set up to where it has like my little logo on. That'd it. That'd be dope. Yeah, but we're gonna couldn't, couldn't get it. Figure it out as we go. You know, Apple Apple Stream. Right. So. Yeah. But yeah, man, I thank you so much for, for making the time yeah. to do this, man. I really appreciate it. We got connected originally through Lifetime. Mm-hmm. We're one of the few people at Lifetime at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> man. You know, they open at 4 o'clock a.m. They, they open at 4 a.m. And to be honest, uh, I like working out really, really early. I figured it out that it's not easy. It's, a lot, it's, it's good for you, but it's never easy. Yeah. So a couple things is like, if you can wake up that early at 3.15, 3.30, and you can be... Um, you know that motivated to wake up and go to the gym dude. It's never easy. So it's yeah. the hardest thing you're gonna do every day. Yeah, the I, hardest thing I know you uh, I listened to a <laughs> podcast that you did uh, Not too long ago. You're talking about morning routines. Yeah morning routines and dude some people like kind of shit on morning routines But I think it's it's probably the single best thing I've, I've tried to do I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not perfect every day with it But I've noticed like when I get up early hit the gym hit the cold plunge like man It makes my day so much better I got so addicted that, you know, sometimes a lifetime they have to, you know, drain it, the cold plunge. Yeah. They drain it and you go the next day and it's like 75 and you're like, son of a bitch. Like, yeah. It's just great. Can I cuss? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's just yeah. making sure I have a little bit of a sailor mouth. So, <laughs> um, you know, you'll be like, son of a bitch, it's freaking warm. Like, I came here just for this. I have a quick workout. I want the cold plunge. I need that freaking dopamine rush. You don't have it. So, dude, I got addicted. I bought one myself. So, I oh, have you- a cold plunge in my backyard and I probably use it three to four days a week. Dude, sometimes I'll get off around four or five, get off early. I'll come home. I'll take another dip. <laughs> Dude, it just is, wakes you up, man. It is addicting. It gets me alive and awake and gives me a little bit more energy to give to my kids, you know, because I'll get home and want to play with my, my, my kids. I have a 10-month-old at home and a 3-year-old at home, so you need a lot of energy for that, man. Yeah, man. So go ahead and uh, if you want to introduce yourself, just tell, remind me and the yeah. audience, like, just kind of what you do. Of course. And then we'll go from there. I got a lot of stuff sure. I want to cover with All you. All good, man. Yeah. Andy Hobaika. Um, so representing today, Hobaika Services, my family-owned company. Been in business for about 72, 73 years, pushing to that point right there. Um, I've done everything in the company. Uh, started when I was about 11 or 12 years old, working in the field, running parts out to people, running install. I installed every summer growing up, all through grade school and high school. So inside of 160 degree attics, every single summer, running ductwork, insulation, like hardest of the hardest. But motivation was, was, dude, you're 11, 12 years old. Minimum wage at 16 years old was 515. At 11, 12 years old, I'm making 10, 15 bucks an hour. So like making good money, saving up for the car or the shoes or whatever I wanted when I was a little bit older. So I had that motivation of what I wanted and I had to work hard for it because my dad, dude, told me, hey, you want nice things? Great. I'm going to give you a little bit of a budget here, but I'm not helping you with those things. You're going to learn to work hard and get what you want. So it really made me a much better human being. And it's why I'm so success- successful today is my parents you know, brought us up that way. Um, but the fact is, is that, um, you know, installed for all those summers and then, 19, 20 years old. Most kids go to college right after high school. I went to trade school. Super graduated from trade school. Only took a couple months because I had all the field work and had those smarts. So got all my certifications. And then I was a technician for it's like 13, 14 years. And I remember the point to where I was saying to myself, I don't want to be 40, 50 years old crawling through attics. Like a lot of our technicians are older and I just didn't want to be that. I don't want that to be my future. You know, crawling through attics all day long. I want to try sales. Had no experience in sales. So I remember walking up to my father and saying, dad, I want to try sales. And he looked back at me and said, now's not the time and you're not mature enough for it. I'm like 27 years old at the time. I'm like, this is crap. Like this is bullshit. You know, not thinking he knows what's better for me. I'm just, you know, I'm tired of this crap. So I remember meeting with my brother, my brother, Dan, Dan Hobica. He's a little undercover, tries to on low radar, probably the best top salesman I know. He works for a company called EKG. They do payroll and software for large, large companies. Very, very, very good at sales. Really good at what he does. And I told him, I said, Dan, I'm tired of this shit. I don't want to be a technician anymore. I want to go into sales. He goes, yeah, I think you're ready. Just dad's not going to just give it to you. You have to demand it. Yeah. Shit, I don't want to demand it. And he knows my dad's an aggressive person. So he's like, dude, you have to walk into his office and tell him what you want. Give him, give him an ultimatum. Like, I don't want to do that. He goes, I know, but that's the only way it's going to work. I took his advice. I walked into his office that day and I said, all right, dad, um, I want to go into sales. You can try me out. You don't have to try me out. Within six months, I'm going to go work somewhere else. I don't want to do this anymore. I walked out. I was scared shitless, dude. I was shaking walking out because one, I didn't want to upset my dad. He's giving me everything, giving me all these opportunities. And two, I didn't like the look on my dad's face when I walked out of his office. I had to fake being a hard ass and walk out. Yeah. Within a couple of days, he walked up to me and says, okay, Ange, he calls me Ange, um, we'll try you out. On weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, no one likes working weekends, so you can work all the weekends. 
Um, you know, if you don't like, you don't like it. It doesn't work out. You go back to being a tech or, you know what? You can go find your other job. He walked away. I'm like, man, I, you know, I can't, can't let him down. So dude, I started picking up before I even started, started picking up all the audio books, all the books, podcasts, just started listening trying to take in all the sales I could. And you know, the common denominator, a lot of people say is stop selling, help more. This yeah. is what I strive myself on nowadays. It's like, Oh dude, I'm already doing this. You just sell yourself, sell what you're all about. And then dude, to be honest, someone likes what you're all about. They're going to buy whatever you have to offer them. Yeah. So I just started doing that and then dude, not being cocky, but on Saturdays and Sundays, I was selling more in a day and a half, two days and people were selling five to six, seven days a week. So five, six months go by, my dad had an opening, jumped into the sales department and then year after year, year after year, setting company records every single year that no one's ever touched. So it started my career in HVAC plumbing, electrical sales. And to be honest, man, I, I love it. Nothing I like doing more than creating relationships with people and offering them options to upgrade their home. And you know, at the end of the day, I get paid for it. Hell yeah, man. Give me one second. No, I get it. All good. Yeah. I, I saw it go off, but I just had to keep flow. No, you're good, man. Yeah, yeah sorry about that. Good. But So let's, uh, awesome, awesome introduction. Um, let's kind of get into, I looked into your family business, um, looked into the history of it, and it's pretty amazing. If you want to kind of get into the origin of your family business sure. and kind of the details of what you guys do, yeah. and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. But so I'm, like I'm, history? Yeah, just like how it got started. Because you guys have been in business, like you said, for 70 plus years. Yeah, 70 is, plus years. So that, well, that in and of itself <laughs> yeah. is crazy. Like not very many businesses last multiple generations mm -hmm. you know like there's a a lot of entrepreneurs say like the second generation usually they don't last you know Correct. so yeah if you want to just like how it got started yeah of and course. with your granddad and everything like yeah, that yeah so my grandfather actually his his family you know his his mom and dad my great grandmother and great grandfather i never met um they were uh you know from lebanon right so they decided they start making their family had a couple kids and they wanted to come over to the united states to you know land of the free they want they want to get a piece of the action so they started coming over and my grandmother my great grandmother was actually pregnant at the time and with my grandfather, my Jeddu, and Jeddu is grandpa in Lebanese. So my Jeddu was born in Cuba on the way to the United States. Because, dude, if you were coming from Lebanon to the United States, it wasn't a freaking plane flight or, you know, dude, it took three to four months, sometimes years, to even come across from state to state to state. And that was so, your great granddad? Great granddad, great grandma, bringing wow. the family over while my grandfather, my Jeddu, was pregnant in my great grandmother's belly. Was born in Cuba on the way to the United States. A couple years later, they ended up in Phoenix. Now, the reason they came to Phoenix was because my great grandfather um, had, a, had a dry cough. And doctors said, hey, go somewhere dry. It'll actually help out your cough. It'll be a good place. I would start off in Phoenix. It's a hot, dry climate. So they grew up in Phoenix. Um, my, my grandfather, my Jeddu, grew up in South Phoenix. Um, went to grade school and high school at St. Mary's. So grade school and high school. Wow. Junior year of St. Mary's, a little thing happened. World War II. So he got drafted into World War II. Had to go fight, you know, fight, fight for his country. Um, Battle of the Bulge, you know, saving Private Ryan, seeing on the beach. Yeah. My grandfather was in the middle of that thing, running off. I remember him telling me stories when I was a little kid, you know, be grateful for what you have because that scene in Saving Private Ryan, he, remember he took us all to the movie to let us watch it. That scene, he's like, I remember when the boat ramp came down within a matter of seconds, all I heard was gunfire, just like in the movie. He gets off the boat within about 15 seconds, he lost all of his friends. So every, every, everyone that he, you know, that, he, that he grew up with, you know, that he trained with in the army, they're all dead. Um, so he was very proud American, grateful. So Battle of the Bulge, the whole thing, war ends, he gets out of the war. He took his GI Bill, and walked over to Phoenix College and said, I gotta, you know, I gotta use this free money and get an education. So he walked up to his counselor and said, I wanna go to electrical school, I wanna become an electrician. He says, well, Paul, I'm sorry to say, but our electrical school's full. You have two choices. One, you can you know, come back next year, next season, you know, work for a little bit and come back. Or two, you can try a new and upcoming field called refrigeration. It's gonna become really popular here in refrigerators, freezers, low temp. You'll learn a little bit of electrical and you'll learn a, bit, a little bit of how to be a handyman. So you'll get some of that. I think it'll be really good for you. And he says, okay, sign me up. So we went to refrigeration school, uh, worked for some little odds companies here and there, you know, a couple different people, and then said, you know what, I'm starting my own company. So 1952 started Hobike's Refrigeration out of his garage. My grandma was, was his receptionist. Wow. They had seven kids to create a workforce. So, dude, all seven kids worked there at one time during the business, right? Growing up, growing up. So that was 72 years ago. So I want to say maybe 15, 20 years ago, my father, which obviously GM owner, CEO now, changed it to Hobika Services because, dude, we offer a lot more than just refrigeration, air conditioning, all that kind of stuff. So we offer, uh, obviously, refrigeration commercial, not, not, not residential, but if you own like a restaurant, refrigerator, walk-in, you know, freezers, all that kind of fun stuff. And then residential, 
air conditioning, heating, cooling, plumbing, electrical, and then we also are one of the largest wine cellar companies in Arizona. So we don't build them, we sub it out to like an innovative wine, so they build the wine cellar or wine wall or wine fridge, and then we actually air condition, you know, cool that wine cellar to the point it needs to, so the, you know, drinking a red wine at 58 degrees. Gotcha, and so you're, after your granddad started the business, I believe it was your uncle and your father who basically took it over from him? Yeah, so in the, in the mid 80s, they bought it from my grandfather, and then in the mid-90s, my Uncle Mike, third uncle, sorry, second uncle, third, third brother, bought into the business. So that's the three guys you see on the billboards now with the pigeons. Okay. One's retired, two are still there, but uh, those are, that's the branding we have. You'll walk by and you'll see the most likable people you'll ever meet. You like a Hobiker with the three guys with pigeons on their heads. Yeah. That's fun. What is, uh, what is, the, what is your philosophy behind... What is it? Like a hobica? You'll like a hobica? You'll like a hobica. What's so, the philosophy behind that? It, it's hard to say the word hobica. Most people look at it and they're like, hobica, hobachi, hobaka. I've heard it all, man. High school graduation, the guy called me hobaka. The guy that's getting paid all this money to pronounce it right. So no one can ever pronounce it right. So you like a hobica. Gotcha. And people can pronounce it right. Oh, yeah, I know that jingle. So back in the day, man, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, we were all over, you know, KFYI, all the, all the different stations, and they're singing the jingle and stuff. So yeah. not much anymore just because, dude, to be honest, advertisement on radio and TV is a waste of money. Yeah. I'd much rather do word of mouth and just, you know, we've been in business the longest and we have the best reviews and zero complaints out of anybody in Arizona. So Gotcha. Yeah, so you were an electrician or no, not an electrician. What was your first role in the company? Yeah, so I was, uh, um, I was an installation technician, so um, installer, right? So uh, installed every summer going up, so you buy an air conditioning system. Installed the equipment, the hardest part of the job, right? Installing the equipment, and then I became a technician, so after this system's installed, you can go now doing the quality control to a service technician doing repairs, you know, uh, uh, anything and everything in the field, you know, diagnostics, all the fun stuff. And then from there went into commercial residential sales and then uh, mostly residential. Okay. So let's, let's go into the process of you getting into sales. What was like your motivation for getting into sales? Was it really the money or did you just have a knack for sales ever since you were a kid? I love talking to people. And I see people in sales, what are they always doing? They're talking to people. Yeah. And they're in homes, educating. I love educating. Nothing I like doing more than helping people. We'll talk about my nonprofit later on. But basically, um, I love helping people. And uh, you know, I just saw sales guy in the home educating on options. I'm like, dude, no one can be better than that than me. I'm like, I have all the experience. I've worked on them, I've installed them. Like, why not? Like, that's the best of both worlds. And then at times, you'd go out to like a call to where another company's trying to sell a person an air conditioning system, and they're a sales guy. They were a car salesman six months ago. I'm like, man, with my field experience, I could crush these guys. And then at the same time, why not triple your income overnight? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, if you're doing the right thing, um, you're, you're not lying to people, you're being honest, you're being real, and you get paid really good money to do it, why would you not? That's why people are in sales. You know, people are in car sales, real estate, uh, I don't care, insurance, you can sell anything you want. There's good people, bad people. The people that really believe in their product are selling the most, and they're real, because they're just trying to help the person, and then take, they get paid for it. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's dive into, I wanted to, obviously you built a very successful career in sales, and that was a big motivation for me having you on. I did car sales for a few years, now I'm in real estate. So I wanted to dive into a little bit of like sales 101. Sure. Like some, some of the key ideas behind being really good at sales and how, yeah. you, can, how you can become a top performer in sales. Um, so what, what would you say are some of the basic fundamentals for being a, a top performer in sales? Like I said before, man, my favorite line, and to be honest, I don't remember where I heard this. People are quoting it like I came up with it, but it definitely wasn't me. It's the definitely Robin the Duplicate. I heard it somewhere, but stop selling, start helping. So if I walk into a home and I have a thought in my mind, like I'm gonna sell this person an air conditioning system, or I'm gonna sell them new ductwork, or I'm gonna sell them um, you know, whatever I have to offer, insulation, I don't care. To be honest, man, you're gonna be like the last five guys that were in the home trying to sell them crap. If I walk into a home and I spend the first 15, 20 minutes getting to know you and the issues and why you actually called my company, and then walking you through the process, bringing you along my entire inspection, doing the whole thing with you and creating that relationship, and try to help you with those issues, you're gonna buy anything I have to have, mm -hmm. anything I have to offer that day. So it's like, you know, most companies, you'll they'll walk in and be like, all right, well, show me to the equipment, show me to the closet, show where's the attic, that kind of stuff. And then they'll, they'll create a good, better, best option. I do all that as well, but I do it at a much more customer base to where I get them involved. So my introduction with people a lot of the time is, uh, hey, Cade, Andy with Hobiker Services, um, you know, I have a couple things I gotta do. I gotta look at the equipment, I gotta go in the attic, I gotta do a heat load, so I gotta go room to room and make sure that you have good airflow. I gotta do all that. And tell me this, while I'm doing my walkabout inspection throughout the home, 
if I find something that I don't really like or is maybe dangerous for you or your family or maybe you should see it, should I come and get you and show you or should I just take a video and show you what I'm done? What would you rather do? So you ask them that question. It really gets them involved. The people that want to walk around you in the home and walk around you and do your inspection with you, no one offered that. That person's buying from me. I'll tell you that right now because in the next hour, I'm going to create the best relationship they've ever had from a salesperson because I don't care. I won't bring up the sale to the very end. I'm just creating a relationship. Do you know how many homes I've been to to where you know, I sold them an air conditioner, but I get there and there's five people before me and I ask them, Cade, you know, before, before we go over options, I need to look at your ductwork and your insulation. Can you show me to your attic? And they pause and they say, where's my attic? Where's my attic, dude? The other five people didn't go in the attic. Yeah. Why not? So they say, why do you need to go in my attic? That's my favorite freaking line. Well, I'm not done with my process until I look at your attic. What if I told you that air conditioner outside, air condition the house, but the only way the airflow can come in the house is out of an air handler or blower or wherever the coil is. And if your ductwork's falling apart, you're air conditioning your attic. If I don't find that, it's a little, little fix. Then your freaking $15,000, $20,000 investment you're about to buy from one of these great five companies or myself is going to be wasted into the attic. And then they pause and I'm like, holy shit, no one else went in the attic. No one else cares. Yeah, yeah damn right they don't care because I find this shit every day. And the shit I find, no one even looks at. So just help the people. Yeah. Looking out for their best interest. If I was buying a fucking air conditioner and the guy didn't go in the attic and didn't go on my roof and didn't look at these little things, be like, he's just trying to sell me something. I'm moving the fuck on. I'm never going to talk to this person again. So I don't like fake people. So just be real and help. And then reverse that. You can switch that into anything you want. Someone walks into a car dealership. They go straight to the car. Dude, slow the fuck down. Slow your roll. Find out why the person came in today. Yeah. I could teach a car salesman to be a badass right now. Yeah. Why do they want to buy a car right now? Do they really want a lower payment or are they looking for air conditioned seats? Maybe that's why they want a new fucking car. Find out what they want, how you can help them. And then they'll freaking just eat out of your hand. Yeah. Real estate, man. So here you go. I've looked at thousands of homes, not thousands, but investment properties. I've bought in a lot of homes over the years. I've dealt with a lot of realtors. Um, my, my current realtor, his name is Mike Stubbs, Michael Stubbs. He's a badass, works for my home group. He's one of my really good friends. But dude, he created a relationship that I couldn't let go to. He cares about what I want. I've never walked into a home with my real estate agent to where he said, Andy, you got to do this and this because of this and this. Walks around saying, walk around, let me know what you like, what you don't like. He built a relationship to what I like and he knows exactly what I like because I've told him like, I want this in the home, I want this in the home, I want this. He doesn't give a shit by what he likes or his commission. He'll find the most, the cheapest house with all the stuff that I want and he's just like, this is what you want, this is it. Because it's the relationship. Yeah. Find out about what your customer wants and how you can help them. Not what's in best interest for you. What's in best interest for them? Because dude, you might go up to a client where like, man, this guy wants to buy a $200,000 house. This is a waste of my time. Well, that guy might fucking refer a thousand people to you that are going to spend a million dollars. One of the things- Always think about them, not you. Always. One of the things that you brought that up yeah. is you never know who somebody knows. That's something I've learned recently. You never know who somebody knows. Like I've heard you know, successful entrepreneurs talk about that, but like you don't know who the person across from you is if mm -hmm. it's a stranger. You know, They yeah. might know somebody who could change your life, potentially. I walked up to homes to where, dude, I gave my whole presentation. At the end of the day, I was just too expensive. We're not cheap. We're the best, but we're not cheap. Where people literally said, Andy, I'm sorry to say, even with your discounts, there's a guy that's much cheaper. I have to go with the cheaper guy. And they use the cheaper guy. They regret it, but they use the cheaper guy. That same person refers five people that used me that paid 10 times the amount that I was trying to sell them. They couldn't use me because they were too cheap, but they still loved me, referred me, and all those people used me hundreds of thousands of dollars in business from that one referral. Right. How do you, I have a question. I could so, have easily left and been like, well, that was bullshit. It was a waste of time. They're cheap. Well, they referred a lot of business. I have a question. So you brought up building relationships as like a core principle of, yes. of your sales business. How do you build a relationship with somebody? Like this is, I guess, kind of more of a sales question, but when let's just say someone comes on a car lot or you meet somebody at an open house mm -hmm. or wherever the wherever it is and they're kind of like defensive like they don't really want to open up and they don't really want to like you know there's a lot of people like yeah. that who aren't like super um eager to become your friend or yeah. whatever how do you how do you kind of get past that in your in your business well like you're talking about if i go to a home and they're real standoffish yeah they're just like super standoffish you know become a friend yeah because people buy from people they like yeah. period bro so like you go up to a home and they're real standoffish Mirror them. Be a little standoffish yourself until they start to open up. But create a friendship, man. These people are like starving for freaking people to talk to. That guy might seem standoffish, but he's been ignored by his wife for the last 20 years and everyone at his work thinks he's an asshole because he has a resting bitch face. Facts. Dude, literally, get on his fucking level and be like, yeah, dude, you hate your job? I can see it, man. My job sucks half the time too. 
Yeah, I get it. You probably come home, have a couple drinks when you're done like me, don't you? Just start fucking with him, dude. Like literally, like, like think about the worst day that you've had in the last 10 years and plug it into him. That's what he's doing right now. Get in his fucking level. Be real with him. That's so true. Like a lot of the people who I feel Read like- his face. Like, cause I have people who I know who are very standoffish, but yeah. I know them on a personal level. So I've seen them when they're not like that. And they're, those are actually the people who are some of the coolest people. They just- I know. They got problems or whatever the case is. I, I really have to remind myself, not many people are as crazy as myself. So um, I'm happy 99.9% .9 of the time because I know as well when I wake up every day, I'm just happy to be alive. And um, I wasn't, wasn't always this way. I've always been a hyper individual, but I wasn't always this grateful. To be honest, man, the main reason I am the man I am today, like the exact person and how thankful I am, is my wife, Pearl. She made me this person. She got rid of all my insecurities. She got rid of all that stuff, doubled my income overnight. My wife, Pearl, is my everything, and she made me the person I am today. But I tell a lot of people, man, <laughs> maybe what you're missing is you're still fucking single. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, but you can only do so much by yourself. When did you, you have when, a powerhouse when, at home, man? Oof. When did you meet your wife? So I met her about six years ago at the gym um, at Great uh, place to meet. at XL Fitness. It's no longer no longer in uh, in business, but it was the old Bally's at 59th and Peoria. Okay. Went in on a Saturday, man. Saw this hot chick. I'd seen her a couple times, and to be honest, man, I was like, okay, it's time to talk to her. So there was no one around. There's a couple old people on the treadmill, and I'm like, just go up and talk to her. So I walked up to her and I told her, I said, hey, this circuit you're doing is pretty badass. You know what you're doing? And I walked away. And then she came and found me, and we flirted a little bit, and. She kind of called me out one day, a couple, maybe a week later, she called me out and said, hey, uh, do you think I'm ugly? I said, I don't think you're ugly. And she says, huh, just wondering why you hadn't asked me out and walked away. I'm like, mother <laughs> yeah, I have an attitude, right? So like, you know, added her on social media, Instagram, followed her a little bit. And then I'd given her a little bit of, you know, little add-on to be like, hey, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but I got an old school upbringing. You seem a little old school to me. You're a little, like, you know, you're not, you're not out there. You're not all crazy. Like, you're not trying to get all over guys in the gym. You're really quiet. You keep to yourself. I'm like, it's the same upbringing I got. So I'm a gentleman. If you ever want to get taken out, like old school gentleman, that's me. So give me a shot. I'll, I'll show you. I'm not, you know, bullshit. So she hit me up on Instagram and said, uh, hey, I'll take you up on your offer. Call you out on that. So she said, what restaurant are we going to meet at? I said, well, that wouldn't be a gentleman, would it? What time can I pick you up? I picked her up, brought roses, did the whole thing, right? So did, did it right. Um, took her to an expensive restaurant, had a good time. It's the best freaking first date of my life. So when we were done, she laughed at everything I had to say. I was like, either this chick's uh, make, you know, faking it because she's getting a good steak dinner or, or she's real. After the date, she literally tells me, hey, I don't know how early you got to wake up tomorrow, but I'd love to keep this going. So I went to Dave and Buster's till like one in the morning, dude. I had to go to work the next day. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. yeah, I think. Love at first sight. I've been in a relationship for quite a while since I was in high school. I'm 23, so been a while. That's and awesome. yeah, having having a having a girl or having a, a woman who's like just solid and lock that shit down, Kane. I, I know, man. Yeah, don't put me <laughs> on the spot on here. But, Come on, baby. But yeah, dude, I, I gotta agree with you on that. Like, it, I'll, it, I'll I'll keep on him, whatever your name is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, but, but yeah, it, it, it definitely is motivating for sure. You know, just having somebody, you know, who you want to provide for and and do all those things for. You know, it's it. I'm sure I'm sure you've experienced it, but yeah, it's it's probably one of the more motivating things for you, huh? 100% and then every morning, man, every morning. So being hyper, one of the defaults about me is that I forget shit, man. I literally leave my house, I'm like, fuck, I forgot that, I forgot at home. Before I leave, my wife gives me a checklist every single day. All right, babe, you got both phones, you got your iPad, you got your work bag, you got your, you know, your post-workout shake, you got all, all this shit, I make sure I have everything. And then she says, go get some sales, I love you. Hell you're yeah. You're a badass, like, every fucking morning, man. This is like, every morning, and I know I gotta go get it from my family. Dude, that's awesome, man. You're, yeah. you're a father, right? Yeah, two kids. How has it been uh, raising, raising your kids? You got a five-year-old, I think, right? You know, a three-year-old and a 10-month-old. Okay. Yeah, brand new baby. Gotcha. How has the uh, experience of fatherhood been treating you the past few years? Dude, um, you want to talk about, you want to get good at sales? Get some little kids to look up to you, man. <laughs> man. <laughs> I want Dude. kids, man, but yeah, no, I'm scared. It's, it's a game changer. It is, it is scary, bro, but like, I don't want to get emotional on your podcast, but no, dude, go, like, yeah. holy shit, man, like. You have these little, you have these little things looking up to you, man. You, they're, you know, they're not smart enough to tell you yet, but they just make eye contact with you and say, you know, Dad, I believe in you, kind of attitude. Like you, you got to work your ass off for that. Yeah, yeah. Not kids, for... kids are very precious and the most rewarding thing in the world. It's stressful at times, but dude, when it's not stressful, like this morning, man, man I was about to leave for work. It's like six forty-five, and I stayed an extra five minutes because my daughter said. Um, uh, Papa, come here. Like, I want to cuddle with you. So I uh, sit down on the couch, and she just lays up against you, drinking her milk, just laying in your arms. Man, it's the most precious thing in the freaking world. This little human being thinks I'm her everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. That's beautiful, man. It's, it's amazing. 
Yeah, no, it really is. What what is uh? So you guys, how many how many people in your family work for your business? Is it everybody or? I'm sure it's probably yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, not a ton anymore, actually. It's okay. just as as it goes on, not not a ton. So got my dad, my uncle, myself, um, some people that help out, but pretty pretty much that's it now. So I have 37 cousins. They, oh my they, god! They all worked here at one time, man. Like you know, ins and outs, helping out in the summer and stuff. Just no one stuck with it. Like both my brothers, man. They're both super successful, but they, they only worked here during the summers and didn't want to do the hard work. Dude, I worked my ass off from age 11, 12 years old all the way up to age 27, 28 to go into sales. Not many people want to do that, dude. Like 15 years as a tech, crawling through attics, working working every weekend, working on call. It's a really hard job. Like it pays well. So, uh, you know, give a little, you know, shout out to, you know, being a technician. If you're, if you're 17, 18, 19 years old, thinking about what to do, you're about to go to college, dude, go to trade school. And to be honest, we have our own trade school. So we'll send you to school, pay you while you're going to school. And in three months, you'll be out on your own with your own van. If you don't make 60 to 100 grand a year, for your first year, there's a problem. So there's so much opportunity to be an HVAC technician. I t- try to tell people, like, it's a lot of money because it's an expensive business. People pay for it because it's hot as fuck outside. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up as far as the, the trade business mm-hmm. and all, oh the, <clears throat> all the opportunity in it. Um, I, I, dude, I've I have never... plumbers making 150 grand a year. A yeah. plumber. They dropped out of high school, got their GED. It's, it's one of those things where society, it's, it's not like the most glamorized Correct. professions, you know? I know. But, Talk about like the opportunity that's available. You already brought it up, yep. but a little bit of the opportunity available for somebody who's maybe like considering it. Cause yeah. I, I have friends who, um, friends who do, uh, I can't think of it. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, so like anybody that's age, let's say 18 to like 25. Cause to be honest, man, you get to a certain point and you're 35, 40 years old and you try to work for a company. It's hard to hire someone like that. Cause they have a lot of baggage or they have, experience from other companies like you know you work for one of my competitors to get all that bad you know bad uh baggage and you want to come over and work for us it's a little harder because i can't mold them into what i want and actually the right way and treat customers how we do right so like man we have two guys who just started with us one's 19 one's 20 and you know by the time they're 21 they can drive for us they'll be good to go they'll be out on their own and they'll be making good money because it's hard work so if you can deal with the heat and deal with working long hours in the summertime it's worth it, man. We got guys making, you know, 60, 70, 80 grand a year all the way up to, we got guys that's still in the field and they're making almost 200 grand a year. None of them went to college. They went to trade school that we paid them to sit in. It's the easiest thing in the world. So try to tell people like, you can go to college if you're trying to be a doctor, you're trying to be, you know, a physician, you're trying to, you know, a lawyer, all these special things that you need it. Other than that, man, like try out trades. You can always go back to school. Let's say you come to work for me and I send you to school and you're making a hundred grand a year as a technician and then you decide to be a doctor. You can still go to school. Shit, man. The money that you're making with us, you can freaking pay for all your school and not be in debt. So I have guys that work for me that make 120 grand a year right now and they have no student loan debt, creating their families with no debt. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Go into a family with $400,000 in debt. Have fun with that, man. Yeah. Sounds like a pain in the ass. Yeah. I, I just hate the education system. At the end of the day, it's good for some people and some jobs you have to have it. But dude, like, at least give the option, like college or trade school. Yeah. I don't want you to be a loser, but dude, my guys are badasses. So, somebody, well, my technicians drive $100,000 trucks and they're 19, 20 years old. It's like, that's not possible if you go to college. Somebody brought up, I heard somebody talk about this. They were saying how... The education system is kind of rigged almost because at, when you're 18, the only way you can borrow that much money is if, by going to school. You can't borrow that much money and go start a business with that money or go start something else with that money. And know? they don't ask you questions either. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to school for uh, floor science educational outside, like weird ass freaking names you never even heard of. Yeah. They don't care, man. They want your money. And it, it's, 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 the honest, it's the honest fact. They want your fucking money. They don't care. They don't know what you're going to do with that fucking degree. They just, they need it. They want you in debt. Have you been to those fucking campuses? They're amazing. They're spending money on good stuff. They look I like went a for fucking a year. resort. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I, was, I was shocked. I went, I, went to, I went to one semester at freaking JCC. I got the fuck out of there, bro. I'm like, I need more Adderall. Like, it was bad, bro. I couldn't freaking pay attention. I'm getting nothing out of this. I went to my dad. I'm like, I can't do this. He goes, I know you can't. I just wanted you to realize it. So, you ready to go back to work? I went to, so my experience, I went to ASU for about a year, a little over mm. a year. And yeah. I remember before I, got on campus like the summer before I was all nervous like because I didn't think I was capable of like competing with all these people in academics you know I was kind of scared and nervous Mm -hmm. and I got there and I was shocked because like the culture was not what I was not the to the degree of what I was expecting like everybody was just trying to party like do crazy shit of course man but hey at that age I was partying too man I know but it's just like (laughs) it's like man you're spending all this money just to what go party like I so uh in uh in 08 when the market crashed 
right? I was 20, almost 21. I bought my own house when the market crashed. I had like 45 grand saved up. So I bought an $80,000 house that's paid off now. It's a rental property. It's down the street from here. But like at the time, like having my own house, four bedroom house at 63rd and Peoria, I had three roommates paying my rent, kegger every fucking weekend. It was amazing. But most of the kids that were going to my parties were going to school and coming to my party because they're stressed out. I was enjoying life, man. Wow. All my hilarious. money went on fun and alcohol. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. That's but yeah, you know, I got my party in stages out, but uh, I told my wife, you know, you, you knew me back in the day, you would have nothing to do with me. Right. She's like, I get it. I'm the same way, but you know, you got to get that out of you. People that don't party in their 20s, I'm sorry to say, that's the guy that cheats on his wife and has a midlife crisis because they never got it out. That's facts. I had a lot of fun. Now, I still have fun. I'm responsible about it. I have children and a wife a couple times a year will go out um but uh yeah not like that <laughs> I, I think you're right because for me that it, that my experience wasn't in my 20s it was in my teens where i was mm. partying and drinking all the time kind of getting a little I bit didn't of trouble. Have time to party then yeah yeah for me i sports did sports and street racing yeah for me i did it but <laughs> thankfully like I, you yeah. brought it up i'm glad i i'm glad i did it because by the time i was like 21 i, I didn't want I'm, I'm, it's even better yeah i'm, I'm even good better. on it you know so um yeah um, i think everybody kind of has to go through that to a certain degree i was real big into sports for dude I found out later in life when I went to, uh, you know, like anger management, I had some problems when I was younger. I had a real bad temper, all my insecurities that my wife got rid of, right? It's where um, I was really just uh, insecure and had a bad temper um, to where drinking only made it worse. So what, what, what I would do is um, in high school, I was in football and wrestling. And dude, I found out through counseling, I was in those things to impress my dad because I wanted more attention from my dad. He favored my older brother because my brother was the best at everything. And then my little brother was the smart one, never in trouble. So I had to get in trouble or do something physical for my dad to get attention to me. That's how I felt, right? The thing is, is like, I didn't feel like me and my, my dad liked me or loved me very much when I was younger. But dude, out of my three brothers, we're the closest now. And me and my dad are best friends. But um, at the time, um, I would do these physical things to make him feel like I'm more of a like, badass. Like, hey, look at me, dad. Like, I want some attention type of thing. Yeah. To where I did that. And then at the same time, I was really into cars. So a lot of street racing and stupid stuff but that's why i wasn't doing like partying or anything like that because i was just too busy doing that and then the 20s hit and then you start changing up crowds yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure man uh I, I definitely relate to you with like your, your pops like you know wanting to like i guess uh how, how do you say it make him proud of course you know? i think i feel like every son should want to like honor their dad to a certain extent especially know? when your dad's a badass like mine yeah i've seen your dad's not no, but yeah. like you know if you, your dad puts you on a pedestal because he'll do stuff and you'll see him do things be like shit dude i want to be half that cool yeah i want to look at me and know that you know i'm worth it what 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 has your relationship been like with your pops like as you gotten older well earning his respect man so like as soon as you know my dad's always cared and respected for me but as soon as i moved out of service the service department, right? As soon as I moved out and went to sales, a whole new attitude for my dad because he was no longer my supervisor. Yeah. Still my boss, but he didn't have to like babysit me anymore and like, you know, manage me. So as soon as I got under, like under, out of, under my dad and went into sales, our relationship started getting better and dude, it's only gotten worse. My dad is the reason I'm successful today and uh, he's an amazing person. Lou Hobica, very well known in the industry. Anybody that's an HVAC in the United States knows my dad just because he's been around, the, been around the block, and then as well, stop selling, start helping. Um, my dad is a part of probably 50 different organizations currently that he coaches and helps people and doesn't even get paid for it. He just loves helping people. A business owner that's like struggling with something, shit, let's hop on a Zoom, I know how to help you, I'll double your income next year. Like, just like, just have to try these little things. Because I have a lot of experience, let's try this out. And people call me, Lou, you saved my business, I doubled in growth, like that one fucking thing, I tried it, you're amazing. Glad. Go, go, go pay it forward. Do, the, do it for somebody else. No, yeah, for sure, man. Um, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, I had a question I wanted to bring up. I sure. almost, almost forgot what it was. I wanted to go over some mindset stuff, man, because you getting up early every day. Mm -hmm. You know, you're crushing it in, in your career. Um, how, how do you get your mindset to where it's at right now as far as the positivity, the drive, I mean, just anything you could give to somebody who's, who's looking at you or, and listening yeah. to you, like, man, how do I, how do I get some of that? You yeah. Know? Stop listening to music while you're driving. Yeah? Stop. You can listen to music at the gym if you want to get pumped up. I listen to EDM sometimes at the gym and it get me pumped up. But to be honest, you see me, I'm talking usually at the gym. And to be honest, people are saying, hey, <laughs> go back a little bit. Let's reverse about the gym. People are, dude, you got a lifetime? It's like 200 bucks a month. I'm like, yeah, to normal people. And he goes, well, what do you mean by that? I'm like, my gym membership's paid for the next six years. 
Well, what do you mean? I'm like, I sold seven people air conditioning systems there. What? I'm like, yeah, of course. So my commission just from those alone, I'm set for the next 10 years. And like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, man, I talk to everybody. Why would you not? Let people know what you do. So real quick, let's reverse a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of Bradley's podcasts, he talks about he moved into a new house when he was like 26, 27, and he was selling cars. And he you know, moved in this really nice house in Vegas, and he thought he was all cool. And he moves in, and down the street, he had a neighbor that he'd pass every day and wave, or sometimes he'd stop and talk to him, and he'd be like, like, like let's say his name's Tom. Hey, Tom, how you doing? How, how's everything? Great. He never told Tom what he did for a living, but became friends with the guy. I invited him over for a barbecue. They hung out a little bit, but never went out because he didn't want to be, like, weird, right? Well, he wasn't being weird. All he did was say something. So one day, he's driving home, and this guy, Tom, has a brand-new fucking Cadillac Escalade up front, and he's like, holy shit. He pulls over, and he goes, Tom, you just buy this? He goes, yeah. And he goes, where? And he goes, uh, place down the street. He goes, you friends with the sales guy? And he goes, no, I just deserved it. So I walked in and paid cash. He goes, dude, I could have sold you this. He goes, fuck, I wish you would have told me you worked at a Chevy dealership or Cadillac. Like, fuck. Like, dude, open your mouth. Talk to people. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I... But I, I, you know, I talked to you right away. You were yeah. quiet in the sun. And what yeah. did I do? I reached out because I'm, you never know. You might be some billionaire over there looking to do a project with me tomorrow. Like, you never know. Yeah. Or, or you might be a guy that's on the verge of suicidal. And me talking to you is going to change your fucking attitude and maybe becoming friends with you. You never know what door is going to open or what I'm going to be able to do to you, what I'm going to be able to open up out of you and save you. What if, dude, what if you're walking into a fucking grocery store and a lady walking out that no one's talking to, you stop for a second, make eye contact, say good morning. Yeah, I really like that dress. You keep doing you. You're an awesome person. What if you stop that person from going home 15 seconds later and offing themselves? You don't know what's going on in that person's life. So just be real, be happy, and talk to more people. You don't know what... Everyone ignores each other nowadays. Talk yeah. to everybody. Yeah, Dude, I've got customers at the fucking grocery store. I'm guilty of that for sure. And it's, it's something, you know, as I've gotten into sales, talk to as many people as you can, man. It's, it's really one of those things where the more people you talk to, it's like Bradley says, you know, yeah. what does he say? The more hands you shake, the more money you make or something like that. Dude, that was his favorite line of all time. Um, uh, you know, growing up, your parents tell you money doesn't grow on trees, right? Yeah. You know where money does grow? In other people's pockets. So start talking to people, start shaking more hands, and people are going to pass it to you. Because, dude, I'll call you out right now. Last time you were at the grocery store, think about it. You're in the checkout line. Did you turn around and start talking to people behind you? No. I was like, huh? I do. Because you never know. The person might get annoyed and stop talking to you. But what if, Cade, what if you turn around and start talking to that person, and then the first thing out of their mouth is, I'm just having one of those stressful days. I was looking at a house I wanted to buy, and my realtor just popped off. Now i got to find a new realtor. Boom. Like, dude, you don't know unless you start talking. Or... I just, I'm having a rough day, man. I, I got to the grocery store and my, my tire's flat outside. I don't know what to do. I'll change that person's fucking tire. I have a jack in the back of my truck. Like, you never know what's happening, man. Yeah. You might be the savior of that person's day. You found your new best friend. It's such, such a simple thing, but mm. yeah, if you, if you do that every day, you talk to everybody yeah. who you see. That, I mean, you, I listened to one of the podcasts you did, um, and you said something that I, I really liked. You said, you're talking about like the uh, red car analogy. Oh, yeah. And if, if you want to tell that analogy sure. real quick, and then we'll give kind of the lesson behind it, because the thing is so powerful. It yeah. really is. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so obviously it's stolen. I've heard it a thousand times, and you can say it about anything. But, um, you know, um, in the last week of your life, last week, how many red cars did you see? And you had to be positive about it. Like, really, how many cars did you really, really see? A couple, couple, couple dozen. Maybe two. I mean, yeah, 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 right? I mean, yeah, a couple. I've seen a lot, but yeah. Now, what if I called you out and said, this week, starting today, all the way to this Friday, look, look out for red cars. Look for them. And I'm going to pay you 10 bucks for every red car you see. You have to be guaranteed. Yep, I saw that one. I saw that one. I saw that one. Maybe take a couple pictures and we'll call you out on your bullshit. How many red cars are you going to see? Probably a lot more, right? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, dude, it's because you're looking out for them. So if we switch it up and we replace that with opportunities, dude. You know how many people are losing out on missed opportunities every day at the gym, in the grocery store, at work, at a networking event? Like You're missing out on it. All you got to do is open your eyes and start looking for them. If you're looking for them, they'll come to you. And dude, like me, I love networking. You walk into a networking meeting, you see people on their fucking phones. Dude, what the hell? Like, get out of your seat, start meeting people. You might meet your next client in five minutes. Or you might meet someone that you're able to help. And dude, if you help that person and add some value to their life, they're going to do everything they can fucking do to return the favor. You, you truly do. Uh, you get what you give. Yeah. Yeah. You, like B&I, you've been in the B&I group? Uh, I, I am in a networking group. Oh, well, yeah. I'll, I'll introduce you to my network. It's just good people. So like you go to a B&I group or a networking event and you come out. And what I strive myself to do, and I'll tell people, you join a networking group, focus for the next six months, helping every single person in here at least once. At least once. So if you go out of your way and I walk up to you, hey, Kate, Andy, you know, I know we haven't talked a lot, I've been busy, but hey, you know what I thought? 
you're a good dude. How can I add some value to your life? I'd love to add value to your life. Add value to that person's life. It's genuine. And then they're just going to, dude, wow, that was fucking real. And it really did add value. That person bought from me. That was amazing. I got to focus the next week. I got to get Kate a referral. I have to. Creates a good relationship, man. How do you, I think one of the things, like, I can speak from my own personal experience. Um, one of the things that holds people back from, you know, being that person who's always talking to people yep. and always, like, putting their hand out, asking how I can service you or provide value to you. Like, I think one of the things that holds people back is their insecurities and they're just afraid of whatever it is, afraid of putting themselves out there, rejection, it. whatever it is. Get, how get, do you get, get out of sales. How do you overcome, <laughs> how do you overcome yeah. those insecurities or how have you overcome your insecurities? Because everybody, I think, to a certain degree, has some type of insecurity. Of You're a human being, you know? You have to really stop caring what other people think. Yeah. And, dude, I really, uh, over the years, I've gotten better at this. I wasn't the best back, you know, seven, eight years ago. And Gary Vee, man, listening to his podcast, reading his books. A lot, of, most people care too much about what other people think that they don't even fucking know. So, like, oh, my God, uh, does this outfit look good on me? Does it make me look fat? Dude, you're going to a fucking place that the people that actually like you don't give a fuck. The people that you don't want to get judged by, you don't even know these people. They're probably insecure about their outfit. Like, stop. You have to really get in the mindset of you don't give a fuck what other people think. And as soon as you get there, you'll just open up. But, you know, as you're starting, dude, I would just tell people, stop listening to music. And what in place, start listening to audiobooks and podcasts. Make sure it's a positive podcast. Make sure it's good. Like, I like listening to Rogan when I'm bored, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you're not going to get much out of that. But, at the, you know, like Dropping Bombs, my top podcast with Bradley, I listen to it on a daily basis. Um, there's a lot of good podcasts. And then audiobooks, man. If anyone's wondering, hit me up on Instagram, Andy Hobaika, Instagram, Facebook. I have a lot of good content on there. You've, you've seen it. But hit me up on that. Shoot me a DM. I'll send you a fucking list of all the audiobooks. I probably do 30 to 40 audiobooks every year. And I'll do two or three times I'll listen to the book because you always get something new out of it. Best book of all time that will help you out with exactly what we're talking about. I was just going to ask you that, yeah. The Subtle, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Okay. There's a sentence in the book, it says, um, and not word for word, but it says, you're going to wake up tomorrow, you only have so many fucks to give, so why give a fuck about the shit you don't fucking care about or that doesn't fucking matter? There's so many F words in the book, this is the title of the book, but like, why are you fucking giving a shit about this person next to you in traffic? They cut you off. Did they intend to cut you off? Did they wake up today and say, you know what? I'm gonna look for that fucking red truck, I'm gonna cut him off. Or did they maybe forget they used their fucking blinker and made a mistake? You ever, made a, you ever make a mistake before? Yeah. They cut you off, slow the fuck down and let it go. Stop, like, you wake up tomorrow, you have five fucks to give. Are you gonna waste one of your fucks on that guy? No, because there's something bigger that's gonna happen that you have to give a fuck about. So don't give a fuck about the stuff that doesn't matter. Absolutely. That'll get you in the right mindset. Yeah. That, that book. So I've listened to it five times and read it twice. <laughs> like whenever I get into a bad, like dude, I'll be negative sometimes. I have my bad days, right? And my dad will be like, go read that fucking book. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's an orange cover, bro. It's bestseller. It's really good. I'll, I'll listen really to good. it. Yeah, I've never yeah. listened to that one before. Mark Manson's a badass. And then if you like that one, he did uh, Everything is Fucked after that. Okay. That's yeah, good. <laughs> um, it, they're good books. Let's, uh, so let's dive into a little bit of your content. That's how I found, or it's not how I met you at Lifetime, but then yep. I found you on Instagram yep. and just really started diving into a lot of your content and w what got you into making content and what was that process like? Just the, the whole Instagram thing, you know, yeah. like just how, how did that kind of start and get going? Well, like I told you, man, um, I met Bradley at an Andy Elliott event and, um, Brad called me out and he says, dude, why aren't you putting out content? You have, you know, you you have the attitude for it. You have the energy for it. Why aren't you putting it out? I, I don't know what to say. He's like, there, right there. Stop. Just fucking post. Make a video doing something that you love doing or you love talking about, and fucking post it. Put some hashtags and shut up. You'll get better at it. And dude, go back a year and a half ago. My videos are pretty shasty. <laughs> shasty, you know, at the end of the day. But like, they get better and better and better. And then, dude, it just hit to where I was doing really good in business, and I'm like, you know what? I deserve a fucking photographer. So I, or, uh, so I hired a, vi a videographer, photographer, and started making some really good reels. And like, it just goes from there. And then obviously you get content from podcasts and stuff. And it's, it's funny how it works. You go on one podcast and you start creating reels and you start getting attraction on Instagram. Random people hit you up that they want you on the podcast. They know you'll add value. But hey, dude, this has already been worth my time. You're a good dude. We've created a new friendship. But you're always adding value to each other. And dude, there's nothing I love more than talking I know other people are going to watch. Yeah. If one person watches this podcast and gets something out of it, ooh, I feel fucking good because I got to help that person. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm convinced. I, I want to hear your yeah. take on what I'm about to say, sure. but the world kind of operates on a value exchange. Yeah. 
you know? Agreed. Like, the more value you get, we've already talked about it, yeah. but the more value you give, the more you're going to receive. 100%. You know? Podcasts that I've listened to, and I'm like, holy shit, that was good. Listen to it again. I'm going to try that. Dude, this person freaking speaking their mind like we're doing today. Someone's going to watch this and be like, shit, I got to try that. And then they double their income overnight because they tried something they've never done before, and they got it from people with experience. Um, you know, uh, we were talking about uh, the uh, not giving a shit about what other people think. You get to that state of mind, but like I told people, I drive a lot, so I'll drive in between sales calls. I'm on the road like five, six hours a day sometimes. Like listening to music for like five, six, seven, eight, nine years as a technician, that's a waste of fucking life. Why would you listen to the same song you listen to a million times, probably giving you a negative state of mind because it's talking about negative bullshit, usually about depression or drugs or booties or like whatever it's talking about, some bullshit, versus learning something that day. Yeah. Feeding no. your mind, getting to the sales call, meeting someone at a house, and now you're in a good state of mind, you're positive, you just learned something, and dude, what you just learned, you could probably use it at your client. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, 100%, man. I've, the information's it, you, out there. Go fucking get it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've realized, like, there's really no excuse, especially if you live in this country, like, with all the information, if you just have a cell phone, you, you could pretty much learn anything, you know? 100%. And I, I look back, and no I, I don't feel bad, but, like... I. <laughs> People, you know, 50 years ago, they did not have the opportunity, no. the information that we have now. Those are the real OGs. Yeah. They're no, doing what we did today and being successful and making the money we were making with nothing. They didn't know anything. Today, yeah. you have no fucking excuse. Yeah. Like, no, come on, bro. For sure. Yeah. You don't want, like, okay, back, excuse, 30, 40 years ago. Dude, I hate reading, by the way. I hate it. I've gotten better at it, but I hated it. It's why I hated school. I'd read something, I'd forget it in seconds. I'm like, this sucks. No comprehension. Like, this blows. Like, I'm, I'm a loser. I'm, whatever. There's no excuse anymore, man. Fucking listen to an audiobook. Shut up and listen. And that's how I learn. That's how my mind learns. Yeah. So I listen to audios, and I get a lot out of it to where audios have changed my life. But no one has that excuse anymore. I don't like reading books. Great. You have fucking two ears. You're going to get something out of it. Now, if you don't want to get out of it, then you're ignorant and you can be, you know, you don't want to be, you know, happy and successful. It's fine with me. But if you're wanting something, there's a solution for it, bro. It's 2023. Like, stop. Yeah. No, it's real, bro. It's real. What, so, uh, real quick, we'll have like technicians like call me, my, you know, myself, my dad, my office, uh, my uh, service manager, Chase, soon to be GM of Hobika next year. Well, my, uh, you know, um, uh, drop, uh, bomb drop, but, uh, um, mic drop. But, uh, he, People will call in and say, Chase, Andy, I'm on this situation. The system's doing this. I don't know what's going on. Stop. Did you Google slash YouTube this before calling me? Now, before you answer, the only reason I'm asking you is because the way I'm going to tell it to you would be much easier if you watch a YouTube video. And if you can't find it, I'll send it to you. They hang up and they figure out the problem. They don't call you back. You know, like, so people are so eager to go old school and call or text or like reach out to the individual that knows it all. It's like, dude. 15, 20, 30 years ago, yeah, you had to do that because if you couldn't actually go through the manual and actually figure it out yourself, you had to call for help. Dude, go to YouTube and type something and you'll fucking figure it out. I'm a big gun guy and dude, I'll be, I'll be stumped on a new firearm that I have and I can't take it apart. YouTube it, there's 40 videos on it. Literally. <laughs> Come on, man. Literally. Down to the bolt. Like, <laughs> take this bolt out, move it to the side. Shit, I was stuck on this gun forever. Now Literally. I can figure it out. Yeah. Some jackass posted a, on, on YouTube and made millions of dollars off the video with ads. Literally, man. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. There's no excuse. Um, what about your charity, man? I, uh, you brought yeah. that up. I want to talk a little sure, bit about sure. that. About seven, eight years ago, I started. Well, about 10 years ago, I started it. But I've been a 501c3 for about five, six years now. It's called One Bag at a Time. It's on Instagram, One Bag at a Time AZ. So uh, at One Bag at a Time AZ and then One Bag at a Time on uh, Facebook. And once a month, we go downtown about 12th Avenue in Jefferson in the zone, you know, where all the tents are. And we'll give back for about an hour and we'll basically line up six or seven tables, water, non-perishable food items, toiletries, baby wipes, shampoo, conditioner. We either get it donated or we buy it and uh, it's all a tax write-off. And then we get other nonprofits like the Glam Closet with clothes and we get, you know, food trucks out there sometimes. We have these big events where our biggest event of the year is coming up. You're more than welcome to come. It'll fucking rock your world and make your life that much better in your world and your, you know, your year that much better. It's December 10th. 10 a.m., we'll be there at 9.30 setting up, northeast corner of 12th Avenue in Jefferson. In an hour and a half, you'll help out over 1,000 people that just want help and want to smile. So we call it creating smiles on a Sunday. And, dude, the only benefit I get out of it, nope, no, I'm making money, advertising, I don't give a shit. The only benefit I get out of it, it puts a smile on my face, and I know I actually help those people. And, you know, creating smiles because you'll walk up to someone and they'll be like, thank you so much for all this stuff. You're so awesome. What church are you through? 
I, I go to church every now and then, but this doesn't have anything to do with church. I just wanted to help. I'm glad you were able to come out and, you know, get, get, get some stuff. Dude, nothing feels better than that. But at the same time, I know I'm actually helping these people and maybe turning their life around to where they actually get positive to get back up on their feet because I can't make someone do something. I can just change the mood that's in the, in the atmosphere. Absolutely. So we, we invite people out and dude, there's so much fun. December 10th, you said? December 10th. Um, 9.30 a.m. starts at 10, northeast corner of 12th Avenue in Jefferson. We'll be there for an hour and a half, and it'll be so much fun, man. Probably over a 1,000 homeless people in an hour. Yeah, I would love to go. So much fun. Yeah, I would love to go. Um, Plus, you never know who you're going to meet. Right, yeah. You could be a volunteer there who's looking for a home. Like, yeah. you, you never know. Yeah, maybe, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be there. I wanted to ask you one more question before we wrap up. Sure. Um, what's one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Like we talked about before, man. Stop caring about what other people think. Stop thinking and just start doing. Stop procrastinating. You fail, you fail. You're going to fail anyways. You wouldn't have fucking tried it. Just go out there, meet as many people as you can, focus on helping people, and then the more people you help, the more relationships you start, the more, the more, the more people you bring into your atmosphere and help and create a smile and all these good things, they're just going to come to you. And people that fall in love with you and your attitude and yourself, dude, you have something, something to sell, they're going to find a way to how to buy it or refer you. Yeah. I have people that have never used me, but they've referred me millions of dollars in business because they love what I do for life. And they're like, Andy, I don't own a home, so I can't buy an air conditioner from you, but I can't wait to refer you to all my friends and family that own homes. It's so funny, like having this conversation with you, like I'm learning so much to be, to be completely honest yeah, with you. And I'm, so I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. At least I can help somebody. For sure, man. Um, it's, it's, it's so funny, like with all these different sales industries, it, it really is, you sell yourself, you provide value and then you just happen, like, whether you sell houses, whether you sell insurance, mm -hmm. like you said, that just, that comes second, you know, when, when you create the, create the relationships, you know? When, when, when someone asks for a referral on Facebook and says, I'm looking for a new car, who knows who, and they tag someone, they don't tag someone because they know everything about Chevy. They tag someone because they, were, they, they like that person, they know they're a good person, they trust them, and they know that they're looking out for people's best interests. That's why they do it. And then buying from that person, you're buying from the person. The product they have is second. Just like I told you, I walk into a home, I create a relationship with the person. If it's a bad situation and they don't need to replace their air conditioner, I'll tell them, hey, you just got six quotes for nothing. Your system's actually seven years old, not 15 like you told me. To be honest, it was a blown fuse. I'm going to replace it today for you. Get a tech over here, make the little repair, save up for an air conditioner, call me in three years, four years, five years, and we'll replace it then. It's not a good situation right now. And those people just melt in your hands, become a customer for life because I help them. I want it to be a good scenario for everyone. If your system is 15 to 20 years old, it needs $5,000 in repairs, you should replace the system. But it's not always that, man. Most people are out for the sale. I want to help that person. Make it a, a relationship, not a transaction. That's it, buddy. Yeah. It's always about that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate your time. Yeah. I really do, man. And uh, yeah. I look forward to seeing you at Lifetime. Awesome, brother. Hey, yeah. 4 a.m. Yeah, I'll, I'll be looking out for you. All right, let's go, man. All right, thank you so much. Yep.